All right, welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. This is Adam Narlock here with John Williamson. And we've got another co-host today, a guest slash co-host slash friend slash pastor. And uh, this is Simon Forsyth. Do you want to say hello, Simon? Hello. Simon Forsyth is, uh, you guys are going to hear, he's got one of the coolest accents you've ever heard in your life. And um, $10 goes to any person that can do a Simon Forsyth impersonation well. A dingo stole my baby. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have him do an American accent in a little while after you guys, after you... After you guys get used to uh, his accent just a little bit, but we're thrilled to have Simon here, and he's um, one of my closest friends, pastor of the church that I uh, help pastor and go to and consider family, and uh, for all you deconstructionists out there, this is going to be one of those episodes where you're like, you know, I don't know about church, I don't know about, you know, going to church or whatever. This is an episode about doubting, deconstructing, and belonging. Because one of the things that we, we definitely believe in is that we need each other. That's one of the points of this podcast, John. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, well, we'll get, we'll get talking about it. But yeah, you, you can't, this is not something that you should ever go through by yourself alone. Yeah, I mean, if you're here, if you're wrestling, if you're wondering about things, asking questions that are forcing you out of your comfort zone, the first thing you're going to want to do is find uh, a reclusive place to just sit in your closet and try to figure things out and feel alienated. And, you know, one of our listeners even wrote in and said, you know, I've, I've completely deconstructed everything. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm enjoying where it's taking me. I feel free. I feel authentic, but I don't feel like I can tell any of my friends because I don't know what they're going to say. And it starts to be a lonely place, and that's not good. So that's, that's one of the reasons we've created this space for whoever you are and wherever you believe and whatever that looks like. This is a community where you can hear people talk about the implications of this whole deconstructive process. So, Simon, we've got a pretty cool church. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it's cool, but I think one of the things that makes it cool, one of the things that I want you to talk about is just how real it is, how, how kind of anti-religious and, and raw and, and rugged. Do you just want to kind of talk about that? Like from your perspective, like, was that intentional? Like, is that important? Just talk a little bit about how that attitude in our church. That's just really authentic. You know, one of the problems that I see in the church is, uh, it's like you're almost forcing people to drink Kool-Aid you know, like we come in here and... Oh, that's such a good way of putting it, man. It's, it's hard, you know, like people are coming in and, I mean, how can you have everybody come in and all of our lives are moving, I think in screw tape Letters, C.S. Lewis talks about this undulance of life, these ups and downs of life. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So when you get a group of people together, more than two or three people, there's a good chance that some of them are having a great time and some of them are having a terrible time so the more and more people you get i mean how can you have any type of normal community when you have all of these different uh, rhythms of life clashing at times oh man yeah. so you've got someone having a baby and somebody being diagnosed with breast cancer right in the same congregation it's messy yeah so so you come in and and so and and everything in between you know so you've got people who are discovering god for the first time and You've got people who are jaded with God for 
six years in a row. Yeah. So, you know, so one of the things that Mel and I were wrestling with when we started the church, we wanted to have a church where we could communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who were in all stages of life. That's why we actually called the church life. And uh, We were going to ask you that. Nicely done. Yeah. You know, like, it was weird. I know it sounds weird, but I really felt like God kind of told me to to call the church life. Sure. Because I think there's probably way better cooler names and, <laughs> you know like I you know like mosaic or you know <laughs> or anything anything that life something really but, but, hip but you yeah. know there, there are lots of churches that put words in front of the word life you know like yeah. better life sexy life you know best life best life, <laughs> yeah. life. I'm sorry Joel first first church of the best life you know and 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 I think the thing is, is we call it life because you can put any word in front of it it can yeah. be I hate my wife life yeah you know and sometimes it is or my kids are driving me wild life yeah and so i think that the truth of the gospel can communicate to all of those things Mm -hmm. you know so so the other thing that we found when we started a church like this with this type of premise you know the other thing in america that i found is that and not being from america i again i hadn't drunk that kind of christian kool-aid sure was (laughs) that i realized in america there are churches that are red in color or Republican or conservative. Right. And you've got churches that are blue. Right. Which are, you know, quite liberal in, in the way they, they wrestle with things. Yeah. Well, as we started the church, what we found was when we made space for people to be at, at the top of a mountain or the bottom of a valley or anywhere in between and to wrestle with that, we discovered that our church is purple, that it's red and it's blue. It's people that are conservative and liberal. It's people that don't have to agree with even the doctrine in our church is quite varied. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And and so it's a mess. It's it, it's a challenge to pastor because we're not telling everybody. Because you don't have a mold. No. You don't have a cookie cutter that you want to like try to squeeze people into. Sure. You know, for example, and again, this is probably a little controversial. But you know, like we're all I, about controversial. I would consider myself uh, a creationist. You know, which is not right. po- is not popular. Right. But it's just where I'm at. Sure. Right. But I remember very early on, (laughs) six weeks into being a new church plant, a dude confronting me and telling me that I wasn't fit to be in the pulpit because I was a creationist, you know? It's like, man, where do you get off? (laughs) And I almost laughed at him. I was like, you know, I was like, like, listen, I'm sorry if that offends you, but, you know... So, so it's, it's interesting. It's, it's been messy to pastor a church like this. It's not easy. And in some ways, we could. it would be easier to pastor the church by saying, okay, everybody believe this, you know? Right. Everybody don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it becomes about what we would call a, a bounded set type of faith where if you jump through this hoop, you're in, mm-hmm. you know? So if you are wrestling with uh, the role of women – in ministry, you know, like there be, you know, my wife preaches in our church, you know, and she's amazing. But I, I'm sure there are people in our church who disagree with the with the fact that Mel preaches on Sunday, uh, but they wrestle with it. They walk with us, you know? right? Right. So I don't know. It's it's. I would say the way that we're choosing to do to walk out our faith would be a messy type of spirituality. We like that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That actually leads me to to my first question because I've been going to this church for a little less than a year. I came my first Sunday was Easter Sunday last year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'd like to say you sold me just by wearing the kilt. <laughs> that was. I was like, I don't care what this guy says after this. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in. That yeah. kilt is sweet. It is. I wear it for Christmas and Easter. Oh, just to mess with like people that go to church in Christmas and Easter. Yeah, they think it's every it's like Sunday. They think every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday. I'm gonna have to come back and see. Yeah, but like this is outstanding. Um, <laughs> but do, you, do you guys know what's worn under a kilt? Well, if you're if you're doing it traditionally, nothing. Right? Nothing's worn. It's all in working order. i've never heard that one (laughs) oh man that's great so so the one thing that one of the things i think that attracted me as a i would still consider myself relatively new um member here was that you kept saying you know christianity is is messy You, you said it just a moment ago but it's messy and we often disagree with each other even on our staff and I would say the John uh, of, of five years ago would have walked into a church, and and we'll just go with the example that you gave. If you would have come out and said, you know, I'm a six day creationist, <laughs> I would have like, I don't agree with that at all. This guy's crazy. I'm sure. out of here. Sure, right. But the one thing that you mentioned was that you said, look, you know, there are a number of little things that that even my staff disagrees about, but you just kept encouraging. Like, hey, just stick through it. Let's walk through this together. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I'd heard before. And I think it, it just happened to hit me at the right time in my life where I was like, man, if he can if he can see past all these little things, then I sure as heck can't sit here and justify walking out the door because, yeah, I would have missed out on all these really great things that you had to say. Mm-hmm. So how do you, as, as a congregation, I mean, we have a decent number of people that attend here. Sure. How do you, how do you I guess, juggle that and how do you... How do you uh, reconcile with that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis? Well, we try to, one of the things is I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever preach a sermon series on creation or evolution. You know, I, I'm not a scientist. I have a faith. And so I, you wouldn't, ever, you would never hear me communicate that on Sunday morning. Because I think that probably is something that does can be quite divisive yeah and so we stay away from things that are i think the gospel is big and broad and beautiful and wide and, and one of the things i think that we all can really uh, fall into is the fact that we need to understand god's love oh, and the yeah, way yeah. that he loves us and i th- and to be honest with you i think that if we can just look i don't i've been a, a christian since i was 21 years old i'm 42 now i am still trying to wrestle with the way that God loves me. You know, it just, I, sometimes I still don't believe it. And, you know, and when I keep reading scripture, it keeps coming back and telling me that God loves you. Like he, he, he loves me. And these are, this is something that I think we can all fall into. Is can that I, God loves can us. I just jump in here for a second? Because you said something that I think if, if our listeners are paying attention, you know, it's not very often that you hear a pastor say, Sometimes I don't know if I believe God loves me. Right. That is what wins me over about our church is this like, please be honest. And you're honest from the pulpit. And it's, I know that like anytime I have a conversation with somebody who's, you know, finally found home here, Mm -hmm. they typically haven't come from the same church background. They typically haven't come from the same political background. They typically haven't come from the same doctrinal background, whatever. And it's like, so what, why are you here then? You know, you don't believe in women should be in ministry or you don't believe in six day creation or you don't believe in 
the Holy Spirit manifestations or what, but you're here and you've been here for a while. Sure. Why? Because people are real here. Mm-hmm. And I, that happened. And it's because of that, that, you know, listeners that, you know, think that all churches, you know, need people to conform. I think that what Simon's saying here about the need to continue to wrestle because, you know, a divine embrace of love should never be something you take for granted. Right. Or something you understand or get. Look, even within our church, so like the way that my wife and I in our in our marriage have ch- chosen to work out our roles, you know, uh, when I do pre-marriage counseling, that's one of the things that we talk about. Like, you know, you've got a young girl who's coming into this new marriage and this young guy coming into this new marriage and they bring with them their experiences. And some of them can be quite traditional in that, you know, it's her job to cook the meals, it's her job to clean the house. And maybe she comes from a place where it's more uh, liberal, where it's like we're all in this together. Yeah. Right? So it's not his fault that that's been the way that he's been brought up. It's just all he knows. It's about to hit the fan (laughs) in his life, right? (laughs) You know? But in... Melanie and I share our lives. It's 50-50, right? Now, within our church, there are marriages that are completely different to Melanie and I, more traditional, where uh, the man is the boss, and he... he he, He leads everything. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that Melanie and I are different. Right. Now, that means that Melanie and I are wired different to another couple in the church. Is it possible... That God can wire us all different. No right. way, right. man. Right. That is right. completely <laughs> right. absurd. But that is we this can... the point where we hit the heresy? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like God, like for, again, we, we just finished a series a little while ago talking about the different expressions of the church, whether it's liturgical, evangelical, Pentecostal, or social justice. And there, there are these denominational lines that are drawn up in these expressions of the gospel. And so we get caught up in the way that we are wired. So if we are fully social justice, all about look after the poor, look after the homeless, and that's the only way, that's how we are wired, right? Then we want everyone to experience the gospel and express the gospel the way that we are passionate. But what about if someone is empowered and they really right. feel God and they and they, they, they want to, they love to pray for people and God speaks to them and that's how they're wired. I And so we can end up, Almost like, you know, there's like four or five high schools in the same town and they're all competing with each other. Right. You know, it's like these tribal wars. And I'm just not interested. I just, I'm not interested in fighting with other Christians about the, saying the way that I am wired is better than the way you are wired or the way that I choose to live my marriage is more intimate and more beautiful in the way that you are, you know? Do you know what I mean? What, I, did, what did Brueggemann say in that book on wrestling with scripture? I think the quote was... Uh... He was talking about wrestling with scripture and interpreting scripture. And, you know, you're talking about interpreting faith. And, right. You know, very similar things. Right. And I loved what he said, knocked me out of my chair. I'm, I'm reading this book called uh, Struggling with Scripture. And this great author, Brueggemann, says, any passionate interpretation of scripture mm-hmm. is shot through with a vested self-interest. Mm, yeah. Meaning, like, if you see things some way and you believe it passionately, you by nature like think you're right and right. now you have a vested interest right. in maintaining that rightness. Sure. And too many of us get lost in that and I love the way that you've kind of intentionally taken the lines away mm-hmm. and invited people into different paths and different perspectives and you've created this almost gravitational pull from whatever camp you're in. It's like, that's great. We love you for that. 
you're probably not going to stay there. Right, though. right, right. You're going to experience new things. You're going to, you know, our word, deconstruct. Mm. You're going you're gonna to pull it apart. Yeah, like one of the things I talk about when I do pre-marriage counseling is I talk about the fact that, you know, these two young people are coming together and the, I have this analogy of building a ladder, you know, where they each come, each, you know, one side, one side of the ladder is a guy and one side of the ladder is a girl and there's these rungs that you begin to hammer into place, you know, and, you know, vacation, children, uh, shared experience, uh, you know, lots of different things that are these rungs in your life. Sex. Sex. <laughs> but, it, but at some point, just like in the, those cartoons, you know, all the rungs start to starts to break and, you know, yeah. and at some point you're going to have a crisis in your marriage. Now, the very first rung that you need to nail in has to be an understanding of the covenant of marriage. And if that's the first rung that you nail in, when they all start to fall down yeah. and you hit that bottom rung and you understand that God loves you and that you love each other and that's how you started out in this relationship, then you're going to be able to save your marriage. I think it's the same in your faith. If you understand the covenant that God wants to enter in with Explain you. Explain what you mean by that word just a little bit because it's kind of a churchy sort covenant? of uh, yeah, sort of Bible word. So oh, okay. it's a great word though, sure. and there's no real like replacement for it. Well, I but, think like, it's also a legal kinda... term. I it think is. It, sure. it is. Yeah. I well, my understanding of covenant yeah. is it's an agreement between people or parties yeah. that can only be broken through the death of one of those parties. There you go. Right. So it's really strong. Yes. It's like binding and, yes. and relational, but legal. And, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Cool. So, so I think I think understanding uh, the agreement or the relationship that's been entered into is very important. Yeah. And I think when you start to wrestle with how God entered into a relationship with us, when you start to get down, if you're going to deconstruct yeah. and you get down to that, how did God, how were we sought out? How do we understand how he sought us out? And how do we enter into relationship with him? I'm not interested in all the other rungs. I mean, I think... I think regardless of whether you're a Roman Catholic or whether you are uh, a Baptist or whether you, I don't care what denominational background, we all belong because of that, that, I guess, that relationship that God has sought out with us. It's like um, Tillich says, you know, God is not so much being, but he's the ground sure. of being. And he's not so much lo like just love, but like he's the pure essence of it. And yeah. it's like that bottom rung. Sure. It's like in knowing that, it's like what a what a solid... What a solid place. And, you know, you talked about marriage, but like a lot of, you know, there's imagery in, in holy writings and scripture and um, not even just in the Christian tradition, but in other traditions as well that, you know, the community of faith is like uh, bound together by this almost like a covenant, mm -hmm. you know? And so for those of you that are listening and you're going through some kind of a deconstructive process, you know, be it inside of a community of faith, inside of a stream of faith, you know, you're in a church, you're not in a church, um, Simon, what do you think about just uh, the importance of the communal aspect of figuring out who you are, what's behind everything in the universe, what that all looks like? Talk a little bit about, like, because you're, you're sort of a pro at bringing people together that don't see things the same way. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about to our listeners that are going through kind of a deconstructive process, um, your thoughts on, on where to do that and uh, the importance of belonging during that. I, I mean, I just... I love I love people and I love 
I, I understand that people are wrestling with things, mm. and uh, and I love to watch people wrestle. Yeah, you know, I think one of my favorite things is is at the mall to spot the couple that's fighting, you know, <laughs> you know, and to, dude, and if, if, or that, you know, is about to start sure. fighting. You can almost see it before they do. You're sure. like, dude, they're about to start fighting right now. Sure. <laughs> you so, see Simon walking behind them. Yeah. And there was a young, there was a young guy at church a couple of months ago. Uh, he walked up the front of church and I could tell that he was wrestling and, you know, our culture has changed. I've been a Christian now for quite some time. So I used to be comfortable calling myself a Christian, you know. But you go through this period where it's not cool to call yourself a Christian anymore because there's... Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So the next thing you go to is, <laughs> is I'm a follower I'm of I'm a follower Christ. of Jesus. <laughs> Which again, you know... It's like, and, and you that, didn't fool anybody, I man. Know, I we know. still know what you mean. Sure. <laughs> so then that's not cool anymore. It's weird right. as well. So then it's... Like, are you a believer, right? Oh, man. So, yep. so down the front of church, I, this young guy, you know, I thought I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to be hip. I'm 42. I'm trying to eliminate these things to try and have, to, you know, have a conversation with him. I said, so are you a believer? And he looked at me and he said, what's a believer? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, You're and like, I, crap. I, we boiled it down too far. And, and I think the thing is. I is, don't know. <laughs> but I think, look, I think you definitely can belong to something before you believe something. Oh, what do you mean by that? I, talk I, about that. Okay, so again, like, if you have to believe all the same things to be a part of the club, so, so like, if, if you know, there, there are all these, I guess there are all these things that the Christians believe are dogma or doctrine. And, yeah. And if, and if, if someone was uh, outed as being not believing in something like let's say the virgin birth okay that you're wrestling with the virgin birth right that's controversial yeah all oh, right yeah. okay so if you are outed as not believing in the virgin birth that would ostracize you to the point that you would feel like you couldn't belong i i yeah. can't stay here because and it's like around christmas time you feel like you need to just like avert your eyes and not get into too much conversation with sure. people sure. <laughs> yeah. sure sure but the thing is like you can come i think you should be able to come somewhere and wrestle with god and not be rejected because maybe you believe something different oh now, man now, now i'm i'm i I know what I believe. Obviously, so I, I believe in the virgin birth, but I'm not going to, you know, I remember Rob Bell in Velvet Elvis talks about theology being a trampoline. Oh, instead yes. of a brick wall. Instead of a brick wall. Oh, I love that part. Sure. And I just think that that is the way that we should. Talk about what you think he meant by that. I just think that it's no fun defending a brick wall. No. No. no? And if it's real and it's true, then it should be able to flex, you that's, know? Yes. You oh, know? man, that's so good. Yeah. So so I just, uh, I am sick of defending a brick wall. God does. God is not challenged Seriously, or threatened. Doesn't it make God by, look like a joke? Sure. With all these people running around sure. trying to, like, defend him? And yeah. I, look, uh, apologetics is fine. Like, if that's your thing, that's great. Like, go for it. But, right. like, yeah, it just, yeah. Like, I mean, he's God. Sure. Like, Bunch of pipsqueaks running around trying to like you know don't pick on God. We had, we had an interview earlier today. Oh yeah. Who, who I won't say who yet because we can't release it for another month. <laughs> but he he literally said you know we don't need to defend Jesus. He's a big boy. He Amen. can take care of himself. That's right for sure. Yeah yeah. 
So, but the other thing is like, if you're going to wrestle with your faith, right? You you better be careful because the things that you are defending today as absolute, <sighs> if you're wrestling with it, Dude. it's going. It may change. Oh. And what happens then? So talk about how important that is. The fact that your your faith. I'm assuming what you're getting at is that faith evolves over time. Sure. So so talk about that and how important that is to to leave room for growing pains within your faith. Well, let me tell you something. I was uh, I was I was trying to be ordained or I was in the process of being ordained in a denomination in Australia, and part of the process was that you had to fill out a form to make sure that your doctrine was in line with theirs. And one of the things that they uh, said basically that uh, we weren't to drink alcohol. The other one was that they believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that speaking in tongues was the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, when I ca- it came my turn to fill out these things, now, as a youth pastor at the time, I didn't drink alcohol because I was working with at-risk teens and I was trying to lead by example. Sure. But my understanding in reading of Scripture is that it's not what uh, goes into your body that causes your sin, it's what comes out, and the alcohol... I don't care what you say. I'm pretty sure Jesus turned water into wine, not, grape, not, not grape juice. Yeah. So in answering the question, they said, I, I said that I believe that drinking alcohol is okay. You know, the Bible has some clear guidelines of, with we're not to abuse it and get drunk. And, you know, but that, uh, and that I had chose not to drink alcohol because I was a youth pastor, but scripture said that it's okay. Also, I, I believe in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe that he can fill us and we can have a deeper infilling of the Holy Spirit. But in my experience, speaking in tongues is is not some the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and so I answered that. Now, after three or four months, my report came back or my application came back and they said, we'd like you to answer these two questions again. <laughs> oh, no. So, like, you got these wrong, man. Yes. Like, and, we're going to give you another shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you try again? So I was, for over 10 years, on probation as a pastor. What are you because, talking because about? I, because I wouldn't answer those questions. Now, I, for I, you, man. I, bring, I yeah. bring up those two situations because that same denomination now 20 years later or 15 years later has now changed the alcohol component. Mm. It's not there anymore. There you go. Right? Now, here's the thing that pisses me off. You can say that. Right. You're allowed to say that. That a lot of that denomination in Australia at the time were, there's a lot of Italians, Italian pastors in that denomination. Now, they said that they wouldn't drink alcohol to be ordained, but they drank alcohol as part of their life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who ever heard right. of an Italian that did not but, drink alcohol? So, and right, so the thing right. is, I'm wondering, why do we make people jump through hoops? Oh, that, come on, man. That, that That's awesome. N- that, that aren't necessarily essential to our faith. Yeah. And then we force them to lie. And uh, I, I just... Isn't that like just a microcosm of like the macro of what happens in church like all the time? Sure. So like... We want you to get your behavior in check. Right. We want to. We want to have something to show for this show. Right. That we're putting on, and right. we need the cast, which is all of you guys coming to our church, mm-hmm. looking the part. Well, I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times people require that the pastor be like. There's that story in the Bible where it talks about 
the the snake on a stick. And they're, oh, get, yeah. and they're getting bitten by these snakes and they're dying. It's a totally wacky story. Right. And so, <laughs> and so basically there's a snake on a stick and, and God speaks to them and says, listen, if you look up at the snake, the, the serpent, you won't die. Okay? Yeah. And so, you know, for whatever reason, right. uh, in the story, they get bit by the snakes and they don't die. Well, within a f- communities of faith, people require that the pastor be somewhat of a snake on a stick that they come in. And for example, like I want to be healthy. I want to be wealthy. I want to be wise. So the pastor better be healthy. He better be wealthy and he better be wise. He better love his kids, love his wife. He better have everything in check. Maybe really white teeth. Really white teeth. And, and a great, everything, everything. See, see, I'm screwed from get, the get go. Yeah. So the, the thing is, so then if, then all the other leaders have to be like that. All the other people who are serving it, everyone has, got has to be like weird, that. Weird, like you know, process line of like churning out cogs. Right, right. So, so basically, if if our life isn't like that, then we can't continue to say uh, we can't attract more people to that type of faith. Yeah, and this all goes back to what we're you know. We, this is what we do when we talk, we, we rabbit trail, but like, you know, this all goes back to kind of like the, the trampoline versus, you know, we talked about not needing to defend the divine, needing to defend, you know, whatever it is out there can take care of itself. Sure. You know, I mean, we've got to believe that at some life, you know, if there's a higher power, like let's not spend our time trying to like defend whatever little bit of rightness we think we have, mm-hmm. but like talk about the trampoline because I think you do that really well. Talk about like, inviting people into something rather than defending because we're kind of dancing around that right sure. now. Yeah. I mean, I would say that most of our teaching here would would lean into not trying to give too many answers. Yeah. It we really want to encourage people to ask questions, to s- seek things out themselves. Mm. You know, and so we want to provoke questions that, you know, I would I would hope that our Teaching is as pro- is provocative on Monday morning as it is on Sunday morning. Yeah, and no, what do you mean by that? So I want people to be thinking about. Mm. I want to challenge them, and 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 in some ways offend them. Yeah, yes. and, you know, offend them and get in their face a little bit in love, not for the sake of offending, but to say, listen, think about it, wrestle with it. It's okay. Like take take your faith for a test drive. Yeah, you know, if it's if if it's real. The wheels won't fall off. Yeah, and that's so good. You know, that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I like to talk about uh, collision. I love collision. I love. I think that, that when when two people collide, mm. uh, uh, or I, I think when people start to smash against each other, things can fall off, and some things need to fall off. Some, yeah. Some things that we believe need to be challenged, and they need to be let go of. And uh, so, so I mean, no matter where you are, right? Right. Like you can't. Hopefully, nobody listening to this is sitting there going, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm good." This is like the wrong place for you, then, man. Like it really is. Like, or maybe it's the right place for you because you need to realize that that is so not true. You've got things that need to fall off and new things you need to pick up. Sure. I mean, who's who is completely self-actualized? Who is right? Who, who is who has at whatever age you're at? You but are... like it seems to me that like both sides of the community, for the most part, which is why we're so passionate about this deconstructive safe space. So you look at like you know the religious right 
super conservatives, and and to be honest, a lot of the visible leaders within the Christian faith. Right. You know, no matter where that takes you, are people that kind of look like there's no questions left. Mm-hmm. That that it's figured out. Mm-hmm. This is it. Just listen to us. But then even on the other side, people that completely reject all faith and claim God and all that kind of stuff, they're kind of saying, that's it. There's no questions left. That's just all there is. I've got it all figured out. There's no divine. There's no God. There's no spirit. There's no... And so there's almost this um, ridiculous pride on both sides when what it what we think it needs to be more of is a conversation. Right. Right. Yeah, I I don't like arrogance. I don't like <sighs> pretension and and I think you end up just defending something that you're not really sure about. And people just end up suffering. Sure. They just get really hurt. Mhm. Right. Yeah. 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 So, if if we just ordained you Pope Forsyth Mercy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pope Forsyth. Well, and... For a start, my ancestors, my Protestant Orangeman ancestors <laughs> oh, <no>. in Ireland <laughs> would not be very happy about that. There'd be, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. You'd be in trouble. Yeah. They'd revoke your passport. But yeah. uh, um, so what? what is it that the church in general needs to do a better job of to, to reach out to what we're calling the, the people in the middle and the people who don't have a home? Okay, so... One of, my, question, man. one of my heroes is St. Patrick. And Bring it. What I love about St. Patrick was that... Aren't you getting a St. Patrick I, tattoo? I am. Oh! I, I am. <laughs> we will get in the show notes at right. some point right. the St. Patrick tattoo. Right. Oh, yeah. well, well, he was... Obviously, he was stolen. As, uh, you know, he was captured uh, from England or, or parts of England and, and taken to Ireland as a slave. And... Uh, and was a shepherd boy there for a long time. He escaped, ended up, I think, in France and became a Christian and felt a call to ministry. And the first thing he did was had a desire or felt led by God to go back to Ireland. Now, at the time, my understanding is that, that Rome as a church had given up on Ireland because they were, weren't worth saving. <laughs> they, were, you know, they were barbarians, like, give up on them. They're too wild, you know? And, oh, that's you great! Know, completely <laughs> pagan, mystical. I mean, like banshees and and just re, you know wild pagan kind of tribes and what just really strange. I didn't people. know that. Yeah. And so Patrick goes back, and the story goes, you know, when he gets back to Ireland, he he's he's going up to where his uh, old slave master lived, and his slave master heard that he was coming back and bringing the gospel, and his slave master uh, barricaded himself in his house and. And killed himself. But what? Yeah. Now the thing is, what Patrick did, he recognized that the church had a problem. The church spoke about origins and the church addressed destinations. Where we came from and where we're going. Wow. But what he what he identified was wow. the flawed middle. The church wasn't addressing oh. the crap that hits the fan in our everyday life. Oh, yeah. dude, that's so good. And I really believe the church's job is, yes, we have to talk about origins, and yes, we have to talk about destination, but what about all the crap in the middle? Which yes. makes up most of it from right. here right. and right. now. Right, yeah. because here's the deal. We won't really know if, if we're being honest. Yeah. If I get to heaven and I find out that it took millions of years to make this place, I'm not, there's no skin off my nose. Who you cares? Know? Right, right. 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 
And I'm and however I get to heaven, I'm not sure how that's going to work either. Okay, so I'll get all those answers one day. But until then, I'm stuck in the middle. Right. 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 So here's the thing. Patrick would would move into these places and he would start these communities and he would say, I am a man of faith. I'm a man of God. You are a farmer. Let me show you a different way to wrestle with life. As you turn over this soil in the, in your field, would you? Pr- I'll teach you how to pray. Lord, turn over the soil of my heart today. Oh, as I, man. You know, or as I light this fire this morning as a, as, a, as a housewife, Lord, you light the fire of my cold heart. You know? Like he, praying through the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, Just sensing the divine in everything. Sure. One of the oh. other things with, within these communities that he would start, and basically anywhere in Ireland where it has the word kill, Killarney, Kildrum, Kildare. The word kill is Gaelic for church. And he would start all these little church communities. And one of the things was that he actually recruited someone and their entire job was their home was to be a place for visitors. And, and like, so people who were traveling would come in to this community and there would be a place that was welcoming for them to stay for the night, to have a meal, and to have a safe place to exist. What a cool job, man. Yeah, and so there's this, he, he was really passionate about addressing the flawed middle. And this is my heart as a pastor. I want to help people wrestle with all the stuff in the middle. That's great, man. You know, and, and, and so... I'm not saying that we're doing a great job of it. You know, I'm, we're trying because, like I said, it's a flawed middle. I am a pastor that has three kids and a wife, and I have issues with my finances. I have issues with my health. I, not, not big issues, but I am a regular dude. Yeah. And I have to struggle with the flawed stuff in the middle like anybody else. So... I don't want to be a hypocrite and, and, and put out this model that I have it all together and that's why you should stay here. I think we need to attract people in and say, look, I'm trying to work it out. I'm going to, would you work, walk along with me as I try to work it out? I, I was reading. That's awesome, man. You guys are talking, I know you guys are in, is it Richard Rohr? Is that oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. You We're going to get him on the show. Spiritual boners all around. Oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he said that people get caught up in worshiping uh, the life of Jesus, or instead of instead of walking in the footsteps of Jesus, or something like that. I've totally destroyed that. But it's so (laughs) so much we get caught up in the destination. Yeah, or, or instead of, and and that's where religion comes in, but. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to walk and wrestle with, like in his footsteps. And when you look at Jesus' lifestyle and you look at the way that he lived, he, had, he went through hard times. Yeah. So to, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus is not religious. It's just very human. Oh, man, that's and there's, so And good. there's nothing very glorious about that. That makes so many like Christians uncomfortable, I sure. think, though. Yes. Sure, but we have to walk in the footsteps of we have to walk in that mess oh man that's where he meets us right so would you would you summarize that as i mean cuz i think you touched on this on sunday a little bit the talking about the kingdom of heaven here and later yes and the fact that we we oftentimes forget about the fact that the, the kingdom here now 
Um, and we skip right to what do they call it? I think Roar refers to it as the old the old escape plan. Yeah, yeah. I'll fly away. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like like protect myself. You know, bunker just down. Left behind, man. Kurt yeah. Cameron just rapture yeah. me up out of Bunk- the snow. <laughs> bunker down. Yeah. And and we're always talking about like. And here's the thing. Like I look. V- Velociraptor. <laughs> Raptor. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am excited to one day not have to struggle with being human, but. Why are we so excited to get out of here when there's so many people yes. that really need to again be introduced to the fact that God loves them? Yeah, you yeah. know, like here's the thing: like, yeah. what's that scripture? It talks about perfect love. It casts out fear. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. And and how many people's lives are caught up in this distorted uh, quest for some other? F- uh, d- uh, broken type of love. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I just, I'll start preaching in a second. No, you, you, you can go, dog. You, yeah. know, you can do all, you do all you want. Yeah. But um, so for you know, for people out there that are you know just yeah, they're feeling like on the outside. Like, give them some advice. Talk to them. Like, what should they do? What should? How could they? How could they get connected? What does that look like? Is it important? Like, what? I think you again. I. I if you are going to deconstruct, you've got, you have to belong. You've got to belong to community. You have to do it connected to somebody else. Yeah. Yes. Or because because here's the thing, what if you are deconstructing something, and you're not qualified to deconstruct no. it? <laughs> yeah. Like what a, did you say? You said something earlier when we were just talking in I your have, office. I have a friend who is who is a physician, and he does brain surgery and spine surgery, right? Now, when he deconstructs a a skull and a spine, he is qualified to do so, and you know, and so I, I, that's awesome. Now, if I have to do brain surgery or spine surgery, you're screwed. You know, <laughs> I'm sure I could open up your brain. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> gonna phone a friend on that one, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so if so. <laughs> So you better make sure if you need brain surgery. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> I, just, I just think you better make sure you're with – try to collect some people around your life who who can give you some perspective. Now, that's it, man. Perspective. I think that's the huge one. That's what I think is – I like, like that you said that because I didn't even realize that was what I was – I think that's what I was getting at. Like how could you do this on your own? Imagine – but here's the thing. You've got to be open to being wrong. Right? Yes. Yeah, we, we say that, man. And and well, and here, here's a red flag. If everybody you're hanging with agrees with you. Oh, yes. That's toxic. Oh. Surrounded by yes, man. Yeah. You just cut through probably everybody listening to that sh- this show, including me. I mean, wh- wh- I mean, if everybody is telling you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so th- like, I just, that's a terrible way to live. I just, I enjoy people pushing back. On me, it doesn't offend me if you say I think you're a dickhead, and I don't believe <laughs> I, I I don't right, right. Y- you know in a loving way. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going into uh, when I was a youth pastor in Australia. One of my favorite things to do would be to go into local high schools at lunchtime and just talk to young guys about life. And obviously, I wasn't going in as a pastor trying to preach or save anybody. I was just going into provoke a conversation right you know and i remember i had my bible one time and uh this young guy grabbed it he says is this a bible i was like yeah and he just opens up the bible and just 
like spits into the middle of my Dude, Bible. Dude, spit in your Bible? Yeah, yeah, and closed the Bible. Now, kids got balls, man. Wow. <laughs> now, now, part yeah. of me just wanted to grab his ears and headbutt him. Yeah. You know, but, but you know, at the time I was thinking back, I'll never forget it. What's that young guy wrestling with? Today? Right. You know, yeah. Like what? Right. Like, like I mean, what forced him? I, I just, I just don't know. Seriously, man, there had to be be some deep unresolved crap. Sure. To make him get to a point where he would do something sure. like that. I mean, I think uh, I know I've heard Rob Bell talk about it. I've definitely heard Richard Rohr write about it. And, and Pete Rollins really makes a fine point on uh, in a couple of his books when he talks about the people that are out there raging mm -hmm. in one way or another. Sure. So you've got crazy Baptists, you know, boycotting abortion clinics or gay pride parades or whatever hateful, right. ridiculous stuff they're doing. Right. On one end, it's like, what insecurity right. are you working out right now mm -hmm. by trying to really defend your rightness? But then at the other, you know, the atheist out there, that is, it feels like it's their job to condemn every person of faith in the world and be on an anti-God crusade. Sure. What insecurity are you working on? Sure. It's sure. like, man, like, you almost just want to invite them both to the table and just be like, can we just talk about this? Can we talk about you? Can I hear your story? Well, we were talking on Sunday about... The last uh, verse six of Psalm twenty-three: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So one of the things that follow those who are wrestling with faith in God, in God is that these things, goodness and mercy. I think God is chasing you, chasing after you with these qualities and these characteristics. But at the same time, it's the fruit of those who follow are goodness and mercy. Wow. Now, so here's the thing: the young guy in the school, I I would love to have been able to share my faith with him and and believe that he would come to the same faith as me. I, I think that would have been awesome. But he obviously wasn't ready. <laughs> to, <laughs> judging by the right, loogie. Right. right. You know, so, so what do I have to offer him? Not a headbutt. I have goodness and mercy that's right, to man. offer him. And, and that's what I did offer him that day. I was like, you know, like I, th I think even with those who disagree with us, we should offer them something of substance to bless their life. And so good, man. Them. You know, oh. we should, and isn't that the mark of... That's the divine mark right I, there. I think it, it is. is. I it think is. It has to be. Sure. I mean, like, like when I, that's what, I mean, for me, that's why I've chosen Jesus to be my savior, is the way that You can't look at that man's life no. and see anything but just this passionate love for everyone. Or the woman caught in adultery. Everyone and she's and they're ready to stone her, right? Yeah. Yes. And and he forgives, but at the same time, in a way, in a beautiful way, is able to say, "Hey, there's probably a better way for you to." <laughs> right, right. Let, let me introduce right. you to Match.com. You know? <laughs> yeah. you know, there's probably something. Yeah. There's a better way for you to live yeah. than this. And I, and 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 I think again, Patrick St. Patrick was the same way. Let me show you a better way to live. You that know? is so good, man. And, and not that my life is perfect. But let me show you how I wrestle with it, uh, you know? So, uh, you know, we had a young guy. I, I had a doctrine that I, I, that I thought was nailed down, and that would be the doctrine of divine healing, where we pray for the sick and they shall recover. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I've prayed that prayer with like volume and velocity, right? Oh, and, man. And you pray it with different tone and you pray like over people and you expect because I've quoted the fact that you shall recover. Well, that's it. You've got to recover until as a pastor of a church, 
young men in our congregation developed a brain tumor. And of course, I make my request known to God. Lord, I would love it if you would heal this young man. But over a period of months, uh, it was clear that that wasn't going to happen, you know? And that really put me as a pastor into a private spin where, like, God, do I believe in divine healing? Do I still believe that you heal the sick? Yeah, like, I thought I had this figured out. Yeah, I thought I had it nailed down, you know? And God, that is so good, man. So I, I, I guess at this point in my life where I, I think it's still... I, I, at any time someone is sick, whether I'm going into, I get called into hospital and uh, to pray for someone, and when I go to pray, uh, sometimes I feel like they're almost conjuring up a witch doctor. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. The church, that's what it feels like. Church, the church needs to call in the witch doctor. Yeah, to to for me to come and ooga booga booga, you know. Yeah, and I can't do that. What I can come in and and what I can say is listen. I'm going to pray your will and my will. Your will and my will is that this person would be healed. But just like Jesus prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, look, it's my will that I don't have to go to the cross. Yeah. I'd really appreciate it. You know? and, and, and I think of all the prayers that, were, that God never answered, that's one I'm glad he didn't answer, yeah. where, where, where Jesus went to the cross. Something we can't even fathom. Not my will but your will be done. Yeah. And, 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 and so that, that in itself brings up this whole concept that we have concepts and wills and desires and things that we are, are invested in. Yeah. That is it possible that God d- disagrees with us? <laughs> you know? I don't care what stream you're in. If you're not open to that, like I think of even like scientists, right? right. And they've got like hypotheses. Right. And they're... It's, it's worked this way a million times and they're drilling down deeper into this reality and deeper into this reality and deeper into this reality and the hypothesis is working and the hypothesis is working. And then, you know, you start to get so sure of this hypothesis that it's a law and it's unbreakable like Newton or whatever. And then you get to a place where it doesn't work anymore. Sure. And you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody out there can say that that hasn't happened to them. Right. I don't care where you're at. And that is, I, I get excited about that. That's when a new world opens up. That's when a new opportunity to see things open up. It's almost like you're given new eyes or new ears. I was reading in the Psalms today, and the psalmist talked about, he's begging God, he said, dig for me new ears. <laughs> How many of us pray something like that? Like, I, I don't want to see things the same way anymore. I want to hear things the way they could be heard in this new way that you could provide for me. I mean, dude, bam. You know, one of the things I think is toxic and dangerous within the church community is that we are, the church has become a machine. Yeah. There's this, and there's, you know, it's run by men who have agendas at times. Oh, man. And and we want to be successful. Yeah. And we want, and so, so, it's easy for us to market and schedule and uh, construct this thing to attract a whole bunch of people and, and, and be attractionary in nature yeah. and entertain. Yeah. You know, and entertain and people. And promise. Yeah. But 
I I don't want to entertain people. No. I I I, I mean I I think that I think that church or, or I think that it can be cool. It should I, be fun. I, well, that's silly, right. Silly, even. But here's the thing. Until you've had some type of opportunity to have conflict with one another, yeah. Until yes. the until you've until you disagree, mm. I don't know if you're really sure if you belong. Oh, that is so right? good, man. Yeah. Did, for all you listening, did you hear that? Until you disagree, you don't even know if you've had an opportunity to belong. There's so many of you out there right now, and you're and you're not connected anywhere because you've premised love and commitment on belief, right? Don't premise love and commitment on belief. You can stick with people. You can be the kind of counterculture that the world needs where it's like, I'm going to stick with you even though we disagree. Right, right. I, I mean, one of the most challenging things I've had to do I just got last, really excited. <laughs> in the last six or seven years, obviously, Melanie and I chose to co-pastor at church. And uh, that sounds wonderful. Sounds very egalitarian. It, do you know what? It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Sure, man. I've watched you wrestle <laughs> and through it. And it's one of the hardest things that she's ever done. Oh. You know, because I'm a selfish whatever you want to say. <laughs> you know, and, 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 I, and, and, and my wife is kick butt, and I'm kick butt. And, she is, man. We're going to get her on the yeah, show sometime. And, and I think the thing is, it's like, like you know, I, don't, I forget where I was going with that. I just lost it's it. It's messy? It's, yeah, it's just, well, it's, it's really... My guess is you're, it's changed. Well, I, you chose well, to co-pastor well, the yeah, church. Well, but... I disagree with her. <laughs> you disagree with your co-pastor. Yeah. Your co-head. Yeah, I disagree with her at times. Qu- quietly, though, right? Yeah. Quietly. Well, very no, quietly so, and very nicely. Yeah. You know, but we, you know, we, I disagree with her on lots of different things. You know, you know, right, right now she disagrees in my style of music. She's, I think she's getting a little bit old, so she's kind of like, oh, you know, oh no, she's kind of. You she, did not just uh, say that. <laughs> well, she's going on a Friday. You right, realize it's going right. to ruin your weekend. Well, you know, she's <laughs> she's addicted to like seventies rock, and I, you know, I want to stay young, so I'm listening to like, you know, like the pop music, the yeah. Bieber, and you know, Selena Gomez, little Taylor Swift, little Taylor Swift. Swift. I love you, yeah, Taylor Swift. Don't judge oh, yeah. me. Don't you know, judge me. But Melanie, but we, so we disagree on lots of things. If I disagree with the person who I am more in love with than any, any human being and continue to want to belong to her, like then, I, then when I think about what the next step down, whether it's with my kids, you know, as my kids get older and I start to disagree with them, yeah. you know, I want to belong with them. And so I have to develop a friendship and a relationship with them. But then I, when I think about you guys here, yeah. Like I have to work hard to belong with you at times. It does take work. Because sometimes we disagree. Yeah. And so I no, think No, in in the pastoral staff, I think that's a great thing to point out. It's not sure. just in your marriage, it's not just in your friends. Like yeah. you have made a decision and I I just want to applaud you for this and uh, you know, I hope other pastors listen to this. You didn't surround yourself with people that agree with you. No. You and I disagree on various doctrines. You know I'm going through uh, a sort of garage sale upheaval, mm-hmm. and you have hugged me and embraced me and supported me and uh, allow me to continue to lead people. And it's just – it's incredible, and I think it's going to pay dividends in authenticity and, and having a real something and not just something that you painted up and put makeup on and – but you know, Adam, here's what we, we talked before about making sure that when you start to deconstruct things or start to open up things, that you surround yourself with people that are kind of will keep you safe. Yeah. And so when people start to lean, you know, whether or when they start to question things, and I think that's a good thing, 
if I felt like any of you were questioning something and were going to topple, I wouldn't say I think you're wrong. I would say, listen, how about we I, – I, I have concerns sure. that maybe you're getting into something that that is a hole that's you would, too deep. You would tell the truth. Sure. Yeah. Now, now I'm not saying that I'm wrong. I'm just saying that we you, I, that I have a responsibility. Completely. To be, we belong together, and so I'm gonna I'm going to fire a cannonball across the front of the ship. Sure. Right to say, whoa, check it out for a second. Yeah. So I have surrounded myself with people. In my own life, and you will be one of them, who, when I wrestle with things, that whether it's in my faith, whether it's in, in any area of my life, that I would say, you have the right to fire a cannonball. That's awesome. And if you did, I would stop. Yeah, and you have. We've had conflict. Sure. Yeah, sure. absolutely. So I, I, so I think one that's something that's very important is making sure that you are, are belonging and and making sure that. It's not. We're not all drinking from the same. We're not all. There's different types of people that we're, we're different streams. Sure. Different perspectives. Sure. Yeah. And then who are you pouring into? I mean, like, oh, that's not, good. Not, who's someone that's a little bit maybe newer to the wrestling? Oh yeah, man, that's so good. You know, that's so good for anybody listening. Like, you know, it's it's you got to have people almost ahead of you in the process. Sure. You got to have people yeah. behind you in the process. I think it's uh isn't Alcoholics Anonymous that has the like now you have to give it away. Now you have to yes. reproduce it. Yep. You have to like continue to I know Roar talks about that. I've I've mm-hmm. read it in a dozen different places cuz that 12 step program works so well. But until you take your healing or your enlightenment or your transcendence or whatever you've come to mm-hmm. and shared it. Right. Not to say I'm absolutely right. But no, 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 here's what I found, and it blew my mind, or it changed my life, or it provided me healing, or it's given me peace, or whatever. Until you can share that, mm-hmm. it actually isn't real yet. Because it's like we're not asking anybody to be something that they're not. Right. We're asking everybody to be honest with where they're at. Right. And to look at everything. Come as with, you are. Yeah, with eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. And that means wherever you're at, it means looking at it, wrestling with it, questioning it talking about it and always being open to the possibility like you said earlier that you could be wrong and that kind of wrestling is what we just need more of so in community connected to some kind of a group of people somewhere um if you need a place in columbus ohio you should definitely come to life in your church and and sit under the teaching of this fine irish australian american (laughs) right here uh heartily endorse love love working with you love being a part of what you've built here to bring people together. And I, I really do think that like, you know, we try not to have an agenda on this show, but if there's one thing that we think is part and parcel of this whole project is that you should never do this kind of stuff alone. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't wrestle with any of these big questions alone. So yeah, we do have an agenda on this show and it's like, get your butt into some kind of a community where you're with flesh and blood people that are evolving and changing and picking up new perspectives and can look you in the eyes and speak truth to you from where they're at and you can receive it. And we can all do it with a degree of humility and love and grace and peace. Mm -hmm. So John, you got something to tie in here? I I just thought of something. I'm like that. That's exactly and precisely why addicts, when they go to rehab have sponsors you know, yeah. sponsors are there to help walk them through life mm-hmm. yeah, and to great. help keep them on the straight and narrow. That's precisely why 
we we walk through this type of journey, you know, in community with partners, with yeah. friends, with family. That's yep. I need a sponsor. John, John, you want to be my sponsor? I'll be your sponsor. Adam. <laughs> I'll send you memes every day. <laughs> well, I, I hope that this discussion and listening to uh, the wisdom and the just winsome, uh, you know, words that Simon had to say to all of us today, I hope it inspired a lot of new doubts, new questions, new struggles, new possibilities. Um, and I hope it just at, at least brought up the the notion that yeah I should not be doing this alone there I guarantee you there's people around you you just got to start being open with where you're at talking with people and getting into a community uh, of of faith and uh, if you live anywhere in the Columbus Ohio area please come uh, check it out we'll we'll put all the links up in the show notes anything else John yeah big event coming up uh, we have some new additions oh yeah launch party uh, coming up on March twentieth uh, six p.m. Uh, 6 to 11 at uh, Wild Goose Creative. Not only do we have Colin Brigsby as Vespertine, not only do we have Serpent and Dove, David Carey's band, but we also now have James Truslow. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. From, from Truslow. And uh, um, yeah, and we're going to record it. We're going to do a, a live recording. There's um, only about 40 tickets left. Yeah. Get them online. Uh, use PayPal. Five bucks. What website? Where do they go? www.thedeconstructionists.com and keep listening guys keep asking questions uh, keep telling your friends keep inviting new people into the conversation for now subscribe yeah all that kind of stuff uh, find us on iTunes find us on uh, Stitcher find us on Instagram Facebook all oh, that's you guys know what to do uh, for now this is uh, your hosts Adam Narlock and John Williamson and we are the Deconstructionists we'll catch you all next time grace and peace friends When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.